listening to the Hometown Losers, the St. Louis Sports Podcast, with Josh, Adam, and OJ. Hey everybody, welcome back here to the Hometown Losers Podcast. Uh, this is session number 23, joined as always by my co-host here and OJ and Adam. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, it's been two weeks. Uh, so yeah. Took a week off. Yeah. How's everybody doing? doing? Doing good here. Doing good here. So glad to be back. Obviously, we were a little busy last week with uh, with some, you know, some things going on. But Guardians uh, of the Galaxy 3. Yes, yeah, Guardian, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> Guardians, Guardians came out. It was, you know, it was worth uh, taking a week. Uh, I didn't have to, you know, be all uh, crying over the Cardinals <laughs> or, or the draft or anything else. So it's like, OK, so it gave me a week to, like, soak it all in, you know, and, and at least go at least go cry over Gu- Guardian 3 instead. I say Guardians of the Galaxy and I just hear OJ in the background. Jesus Christ. Nerds. <laughs> Dude, it's a damn good movie, all right? It's like, you know, I figured it was worth taking a week for. <laughs> it was worth taking a week. Absolutely, it was. Hey, I don't know any movie I would dedicate a week to. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things that, unfortunately, you know, for scheduling, my, my schedule really uh, filled up pretty quickly. Um, and so it was just like, well, shit, we'll just, you know, move it to next week and go from there. I had to take a whole week. I had to cry. <laughs> yeah, I had to recover, man. It hit me in the feels, man. Don't yeah. spoil it for anybody. I might watch no, it. Definitely. I no, don't spoil it. I will say that it was a phenomenal movie. James Gunn has done it again. That's all Dude, I'll say. I was no. going to say DC is going to be like. Oh my God, it's gonna be insane. I, I, I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, Mr. Marvel, I get it, but I'm telling you, yeah. James Gunn, dude, that guy is beyond talented. Yeah, because he's pretty good. Beyond talented. Oh, and a home. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say and a hometown boy from Manchester. So there you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he actually, uh, uh, believe it or not, OJ, he went to SLU and he graduated from uh, SLU University as well. Yep. And actually, yep. most people don't know this. He actually uh, was married to Jenna Fisher for five yes, years. He, yeah, that's right. Played yep. in the office. Yep. yep, that's very <laughs> true. In fact, I th- in fact, not to get on a tangent, but I think his brother actually uh was wasn't he like a writer for the office too i don't know anyway i don't know i don't think so but i could be wrong with that anyway there's so many people that wrote the office but yeah <laughs> all right let's 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 get into some sports podcast here well actually hold on first and foremost first and foremost we got to ask the most important question oj how are you doing uh i'm doing pretty good yeah okay cool just because we didn't get your response because you got into this. Yeah, I sort of butted in there with, you know, <laughs> my life because it's obviously, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no. I it's all like good. all about me all of a sudden, yeah. Right. I thought we were well past that part. I thought it was weird you were asking me that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have let it go and move on. Yeah, it's my bad. <laughs> we're just making sure, OJ, you're good, so. <laughs> what has been going on in OJ's life lately? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get a text. I'm gonna get a text from him in like two days to be like, you know, I was so emotionally scarred that I didn't get to say how I was doing. I'm gonna need a week off. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny though. Oh, oh man. man, I was gonna say I'm gonna. Be, right. I was gonna say speaking of of emotionally scarred, we've got uh, some some <laughs> some not so great news that we have to continue to report yeah. on. At least we're starting this on a fun uh, fun note because we got yeah. some stuff to talk about that is not very fun. So 
let's go ahead and dive into it, guys. Let's talk about the Cardinals. So since our last podcast, the Cardinals continue to lose. Uh, there was a little bit of hope when they went on a three-game winning streak. However, uh, since our last podcast, uh, they are 4-9, including an eight-loss winning streak. Uh, they they were 1-3 in, in series, um, which included uh, sweeps to not only the Dodgers, but also to the LA Angels. Um which didn't look good. We also were one and three against the Giants and barely won that last game. But we it finally is- won a series over the Cubs. So there you go. Yay! Yeah. I mean, you could also say we won three of our last four, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, this is the thing about this podcast. OG is so optimistic. And then here we are, like, so pessimistic over here. Like, uh, so he's always looking at I said it on session 22, man. It's what I love about OJ. He's he is just like so down to earth and like grounded to this stuff. Where I'm so emotional about all this crap. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh my god! Like yeah, it's uh. <laughs> you see, we'll see about that. We'll see about yeah. that. <laughs> that. That is true. That is true. But uh, anyways, currently the Cardinals sit at 13 and 25. They're last in the Central, last in the entire NL. By the way, uh, we're eight games behind uh, Pittsburgh uh, for the lead in Central. Um, we're six behind uh, with for the last wild card spot in the NL. So uh, let's just get into a conversation here. There's a lot to be kind of uh, to decompress and to talk about. Oh, Jim, we'll start with you. Who do you think is the blame? Is it the Zaylock? Is it Marmel? Is it our pitching? Because we've talked a lot about our pitching on this podcast. You know, who who's really like at blame here in fold? Obviously, it's probably a mosh pass, but, you know, who do you have? Well, honestly, it's definitely got to be a little bit of everybody, right? So... Uh, let me just figure out how to phrase this. Like, uh, like the hitters are doing okay, at least some of them, but the pitching is definitely letting us down. But what's strange is the staff is pretty much the same. Like, uh, we have a lot of returning pitchers from last season, and they're getting much worse results, specifically uh, giving up a lot of home runs with runners on and, in two strike counts. Uh, and, you know, we've also lost like a surprising number of the games we've lost. We have led at least at some point. So like our pitchers are kind of fucking us a little bit. Like, and uh, I don't know. I kind of, I think kind of some of it, uh, I think a lot of it falls on Mosaic. This is something I was, yeah. I'm actually kind of getting a little more pessimistic about is like before this season, I thought that, the Cardinals were pretty savvy in their front office. Like they used analytics, but they combined that with like traditional baseball knowledge and acumen. Right. But what I heard, what I just learned today, listening to the Bernie Nicholas uh, show on uh, the radio. And he was, he said that. OJ, I didn't didn't mean to cut you off. Where is he at? Because he's not on the, he's not on, um, he's uh, not on the one ESPN, right? Right, he's on the so, fan on uh I don't know what the station's called on AM. It's like five ninety okay. the fan I think. Uh, oh but, yeah, it is. Okay, I got you. Okay, go on. Sorry about that. But uh anyway, I didn't know about this, but apparently the real reason that Mike Maddox left is because he felt like the analytics people were getting too pushy. Like he was cool with the analytics, but like they're I think he felt like they were starting to try to like 
take decisions out mm-hmm. of his hands and shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if that's really what they're doing, then they're actually morons. <laughs> like, and that makes me very pessimistic about the outlook for the team. Yeah, because that makes sense. Yeah. there has to be a change in the overall way the pitching staff has, is approaching their games. Because, like I said, they're giving up home runs at a rate much greater than ever mm-hmm. before. And with a lot of the same guys. And so it makes me wonder, did we, you know, is the front office forcing a pitching philosophy that doesn't fit with these pitchers because they have these numbers that say this is the way to go, you know, like, but they didn't draft people that fit that style. So you need to, you need to work with what you have. It just seems like they're taking important baseball decisions out of the hands of the people that actually know baseball the best. Right. So to me, it's a front office deal, and Mosellac heads up the front office, and he needs to figure out that he doesn't know everything in a in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, OJ, that I think there's definitely something to be said about Mosellac. And, it, you know, coming into this, it, it's actually a very interesting point what you just brought up, too, right? Because I did not know that about Maddox – or Maddox, excuse me um, – I, I did not know about that, and that's the reason why he, he wanted to leave. And it's interesting to see if that is one of the reasons why we're having such a difficulty pitching and stuff like that, because some of the offensive numbers ha- have been there. You know, some of sometimes they're not, but that's just baseball. You know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. Um, yeah. But, you know, our pitching has always been somewhat consistent, especially in the past, you know, what, 15 years? It's been pretty damn consistent. Our yeah. offense has just been the thing that's kind of, you know, always fallen down. So that's a very interesting point. And it kind of shed some light that I wasn't even, you know, thinking about as well. Uh, so that's an interesting point. Adam, what, you know, do you agree with mm-hmm. OJ here? Or? I do agree with OJ. And I also want to make another point, too. I think. Another point, uh, the, another part that we're missing here is we're, de- and I, we've mentioned it before, is we're missing Yachty. And there's, and Yachty, pull, uh, he played a huge pivotal point, a part in not only with our pitchers, but also with our team and our leadership. And the fact that we're missing both of those pieces with Yachty, I think we're feeling that effect this year. That's my personal opinion, mm-hmm. because he usually worked really well with all of our starting rotation and really commanded the ball and, you know, we're able to calm those guys down and was able to really, you know, kind of be that mediator between, you know, our pitching coach and, and with them, you know, and actually kind of work with those guys to, uh, you know, and calling, be able to call the, the, the really not necessarily based upon statistics, but on gut. You know what I mean? Like he knew baseball. He knew these players. He knew the, you know, whenever somebody was getting, re- you know, somebody was getting ready to uh, steal a base, he would know it ahead of time. Like he just, he, he'd been playing for so long. So whenever you yeah, lose that, that behind IQ, the, yeah. yeah. So when you lose that baseball IQ and that, that sense of leadership within the clubhouse, I think that that's one portion of it. Another part, of course, as well, is Mo. Dude, he's he's not making the right decisions at all. Like, I know that they're trying to shake things up, and I know that with the Contreras deal, they're trying to shake things up. But, like, none of what they're doing, in my opinion, is really where they need to put their focus on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it, it It's just like these guys just – I don't know. It's it's super frustrating because, um, you know, like to to OJ's point, we have a good roster overall. You know, especially offensively, 
Um, it's just that we lack the, the discipline sometimes. And then we've had good, you know, potent, you know, we've had good, you know, um, starts for a lot of our starting pitching before, uh, especially last year. And even some of our, star, you know, our relievers, you know, Housley and all those other guys have had a, you know, phenomenal uh, closures as well. It's just that pulling those all together, it's, that's what we're lacking. So we have the pieces, yeah. it's just not pulling it together. So that's the problem. Sure. And yeah, it's the same like, with how the Blues let, were. You know what I mean? It's like it just we're lacking that leadership. OJ, you're going to say something? Well, I was going to point out also that, uh, you know, if you go back and look at our staff ERA over the last like for this for the season over the last you know a little while, it's mm-hmm. actually pretty good, even though no one would say we have good pitch, a good pitching staff. Like no one's scared of our pitchers. But if yeah. you look at their ERA, but, they actually don't give up that many runs. Like they actually do a pretty good job, certainly good enough to win. And all of a yeah. sudden now, all of a sudden they all just suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the other part too, is we're, we're giving up, you know, we'll take the lead and then we give up, we, you know, we end up losing it. You know, we give it up. Yeah, and we, we just don't, we don't, yeah. we don't play, you know, the full, you know, the full nine innings sometimes. Like, I feel like we kind of give up too early, you know, we take the, the, yeah. the, the gas, you know, the, the foot off the gas. That's my yeah. Well, that's, it's always the, it kind of seems like it's always a different reliever that gives up the lead, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That's otherwise sure. we're pitching. But, oh, yeah. tonight, it's just like, yeah, what okay. the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's why I'm more worried about it because it seems to me it's not like oh, Mosaic didn't go get a pitcher in the off season. Like that's small potatoes. Compared to what is Apparently, actually, yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, while, while I would have loved to have them actually, you know, kind of stick by their commitment and actually, you know, um, making some real moves and spending a little bit of money, but clearly that didn't happen. Yeah. But at the same time, it's we didn't completely lose our core, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, we still got a lot of good position players. There's still time this season to turn things around and make the playoffs if things go well and they get their heads out of their ass, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was hopeful there for the, those, you know, three games, but we'll see. Oh, the, rest, you know? the rest of the uh, Central and also the National League in general has just all been pretty bad. Yeah, so, like, it really has. Out of it, which is crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they yeah. could definitely, they're like, I think I, I think they're like eight and a half games out. They're eight behind, the uh, they're eight behind the Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Eight behind <laughs> so, the Pirates and six behind the last wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they start playing like last season, then there's a decent chance they still win the division, you know? <laughs> well, but, uh, okay. So to be said on that, right. So that 87 a number that we talked about on session 22, so our last session, that was with, uh, has been a consistent number to get uh, since they've expanded the playoffs, right. Um, for either winning division, cause that's what it took to win the central division for the past two years, ironically, um, but also to get the last wildcard spot. So you got to get to like 87 wins. Obviously, that can totally change or whatever, but 87 wins is going to be that target to get compared to what we've seen. We will need to go 74 and 50. That's winning 60% of our games. Again, possible, but 60% of winning in baseball is pretty hard to do. You know what I mean? Especially when yeah, you've especially the already way we gotten did. off to the start. <laughs> yeah. It's also pretty hard to lose eight in a row. You know, like yeah, the thing is, you know, uh, the thing is that throughout a season, teams go on hot and cold runs. They never play at like an even 
paced clip, Yield. right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they've had a really terrible stretch, but that doesn't mean they don't have a really good stretch in them that could put them right back into thick of things out of nowhere, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so it's at least they're still in it. But yeah, like, I'm obviously very worried. <laughs> well, when you're in last yeah. place in the National League, yeah, it's in it baseball. is concerning. Yeah, it is concerning. Because, I mean, they're still 12 games, I think, under 500. Like, but to your point, yes. the fact that we are, you know, uh, we are in the Central, how the Central and <laughs> American League or the National League, they're both, yeah, honestly, the, the <laughs> they're both yeah. they're both abysmal this year. Because l- I'm looking at the Twins. They have the exact same record that the Pirates do. So there you go. Yeah, And everybody else is far yeah, behind that. So anyway. Well, it's actually mm. really interesting, too. I mean, when when you look at that, right, uh, you know, OJ, you just pointed up that we were 12 games behind uh, 500, right? Here's the interesting stat. So in the 19 years that, uh, that Molina caught for the Cardinals, we were mm-hmm. never 11 mm-hmm. games under 500 ever mm-hmm. in those 19 years. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. I think I saw someone say this is the worst start they've had since, like, 1907. <laughs> like, yeah. holy crap. Hey, but that's what happens when you turn off your brain and pull out the spreadsheets and oh, numbers said do this. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man, they pay yeah, you. That's, that's, what, that's when you <laughs> right when you when you take well, Moneyball and actually apply it to like a religion rather than just a way to look at the offense. That's when you have some issues here. When you well, look and, at the and that's again, inexperienced leader and that's inexperienced man uh, management will that will do those sort of things because they don't have the baseball IQ to be able to make those gut in you know to make those and kind of rely on their their gut you know what I mean whereas they're like okay I'm just gonna do what the statistics tell me to do because this is what you know because I'm I'm new to this so to speak you know yeah whereas and that's Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. You, you, since they kind of they've lost that, you know, like I said, with Yachty, they really have lost a lot of that that Cardinal baseball IQ, you know. Oh, I don't think it was Yachty. I mean, I honestly think Schilt was a really good custodian. He was that. for sure. And yeah. but I'm saying last year, though, was Marmol. He was still around. And I think that Yachty stepped in and, and kind of led that, you know, that charge. Yeah, in, in mean, my opinion. And it is hard to tell if their lack of fundamentals early in the season are because of uh, change in the way they're running spring training or if it's just because the World Baseball Classic. And so they didn't have time to work on a lot of things they normally would. You know what I mean? That's, That's also only- a very good point, too. Yeah. Did the WBC actually delay and hurt the MLB's uh, production? Because it's not just us. You know, San Diego isn't performing to what we thought San Diego would be. The Mets aren't performing to what we thought they would be either. Same with the Dodgers. Well, I mean, they're getting better now, but they had a, a rough start at least. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it, there's a lot of just simple, simple mistakes. These, you know, now that they've gone on this little run, they've kind of cleaned it up a bit, but they were booting balls all over the place. Like, they looked like <laughs> so not professional baseball players. Yeah. And it's like, did they not? Well, guess what? They all had they had a short spring training. Maybe they prioritized hitting in the cage over taking fielding practice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if it was a normal season, I would be all over like Marmol has to go. Cause like, I can't, I'm not to that point yet. Yeah. I'm not to that. Yeah. I I will say, I will say that to me, I believe that there's definitely some blame on Marmol, right? The reason why I'll say that, is the fact what he reminds me of, uh, and it's kind of to your point where you brought up Adam of when it comes to experience and stuff like that. And uh, to your point, OJ too, that you know Schilling was uh, pretty good with being able to, 
be a custodian to the Cardinals when it comes yeah. to understanding expectations mm-hmm. uh, for players, you know, playing time and stuff like that, but also, you know, right in the hot hand and using some sort of anal- uh, analytics. Marmel to me reminds me of this little league coach that I had. Um, if my dad is, or if, if my dad's listening, you know who I'm talking about. He would always put in like certain people into certain spots, even though they were terrible at that spot. Uh, prime example of that, and this is not just me beating my own horn, right? Or uh, tooting my own horn, beating my own horn. That sounded very odd. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Don't beat your uh, horn. tooting my own horn. Yeah, I was a very good outfielder, a uh, very good fielder, and I had a very strong arm. And he always put me in right field, which is not where the ball is going to be hit to a lot in Little League. He did under the skies of protecting my arm since I was a pitcher as well. But there's no reason to protect my arm if I'm going to be playing in the outfield, right? I was also a decent infielder. However, he put, yeah, I was always good at third base. He always put a specific person on third base because they couldn't field, but they could hit. And by hit, I mean he could stretch a, this dude could stretch a triple into a single, let me tell you, because he just couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he would put certain pitchers in to start and stuff like that, even though they sucked. And it, it became a prop because he got stuck into this. I know these guys can do this stuff or like it's favoritism, whatever you want to have it. That was more towards favoritism. But I think Marmel is to the point of like, OK, this is what I got. He's he's projecting it from last year. Hicks was very good. Um, you know, Palante was very good. So he's putting these guys in these situations. And they're just not performing to it. So what does he do? OK, well, I don't know what else to do. So I'll just stick with them. Eventually they'll get out. But that's kind of what it feels like to me. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, like, I just don't. A lot of times he doesn't have people ready to go in time to where he's kind of stuck yeah. there. Well, you got to wait for this guy to go because he didn't start getting anybody warmed up till like two seconds ago. And it makes you think yeah. that like some of these pitchers are more or less like it's almost like they're try- the front office is trying to script it. Like, OK, you're going to ha- have this guy for an inning, this guy for an inning, this guy for an inning. You exactly. know, so it's like. So it's like only in the most dire of circumstances do you get anybody up out of their in the bullpen, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you can't just have them warming up willy-nilly because, like, you wear dudes' arms down just by getting them up constantly, too, if they're not going to pitch. So there is a line you got to walk. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the pitching management, to me, you could, especially in the hole you're in, you're, you you got to win every game you can. So, like, you should be managing every game like it's your season's on the line because it is. So you need to, like – you know, be a little more urgent with some of these, like maybe get two guys up. If you're going to send Palante out to try and hold a lead, maybe get somebody else up just in case he starts to falter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah makes sense. And I think that comes from that inexperienced side of things. Right. And, but also too, he needs to have a pitching coach in his ear. That's going to be able to help facilitate some of that stuff. And again, I, d- I don't think that's happening anymore. I mean, Greg Maddox was amazing or not a Greg Maddox, uh, Mike Maddox. Right. Um, cause Wait, am I getting mixed mixed up? Which uh, no, which one was the Mike awesome pitcher? Was Greg Mike Maddox? Yeah, that's right. Mike, Maddox. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Mike Greg Maddox, Maddox was, was the stud pitcher. Yeah, the, the Hall of Fame pitcher, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mike I thought Maddox I got. Yeah, okay. So, I was gonna yeah. say Mike so Maddox pitching, is the yeah. coach. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that's what I think they were really messing with Mike Maddox is because like I, I go to Mike Maddox. What really impressed me about Mike Maddox was actually 2011 World Series. If you remember, I can't remember the dude's last name, but I remember his first name was Colby. He was that left-handed pitcher with that like like dirty mustache that he had, like a young oh, pitcher. Uh, oh God, I think no. I know who you're talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah. but anyways, he like so he he was in a big situation. Like here comes the Cardinals. We have a chance to potentially you know win the game or whatever. And here comes Mike Maddox that comes out 
and says a joke to the guy. He literally said a, a knock knock joke to him on the mound, and it just made Kobe the dude Lewis. like laugh. Kobe Lewis, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, it made him laugh. Mm-hmm. And it then all of a sudden, like he, you could see, like just in that instant, all the stress just released. So he knew how to talk to his uh, his team, and he also he just had that veteran suave, so to speak, where he was he knew how to approach pitchers. He knew like his timing and stuff like that. And I feel like we're we're really missing that right now for sure, at least on the pitching side. Um, and I think that again, Marmol be kind of being stuck in his ways. Um, although let's be honest here, there's certain players that are not performing that are really putting him in a very difficult spot. So it, it is like, again, as we said before, um, or we said earlier, that it is kind of a mix of all three of these things that we've talked about at the front office, Ms. Alok specifically, mm-hmm. uh, Marmel and pitching. But it, it's, someone's going to have to give here, right? Uh, and I think that is really the next question for for us here is, you know, where do we, where do we go from here? Because as I said before, we got to win 60% of our games. We did show some life against Chicago, which was really good. If we can start turning it around now where we can start winning games and getting to like 500 baseball, I will start feeling better about it because I feel that, okay, cool. We get 500. Well, 50% is 10% away from 60. All we have to do is go on a run here or there. Mm-hmm. And now we're up, we're up but, to that, that win percentage that we need to get to. Go on, Adam. Well, the problem is, that I, I see, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, for us, and it's going to be tough, is our schedule for the most part. You know I, what I mean? That's it. Yeah. Our schedule for the next few series is going to be really rough. You know, we got Boston, we've got the Brewers, we've got LA, we've got to face again. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, yeah, but we yeah, don't if have it. The old school. If this was the old school way of, of how it was, where not every team. Yeah, where we face more of the. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to we, face more. Say, Equal. That is a good point. I never thought about that, but we're facing all teams equally, so to speak. You know, like we're, you know, we're facing the American League and that's going to we're going to take a bruising from that American League more so than we did before because of the interleague, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, and, and like because if, I mean, if we had more series against the Central Division, sure. not only we would make more progress because the Central sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we would have a, a better chance to it. But as you said right, right there, we would be able to have more progress that's yeah. being made. Compared to half games, we could actually have full games as, as far as gains on them for losses, yeah. you know, for them and wins for us. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, yeah that, that's unfortunately, I think, is going to impact us for sure. Yes, I, did, I haven't really thought about that, but that, that would have an impact on us because we're not going to yeah, fare yeah. well against American League. Overall, we won't, you know, just how I mean, they're playing that overall. Said, that said, we do have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. I mean, you're right. There are some tough series coming up, but we actually have a lot of games left against our Central, too, and the AL Central yet, I believe. Um, yeah, definitely the AL Central, for sure. And yeah, so again, but I'm just saying, but if we're going to turn us. it around, it's going to be a tough, at least for the next, you know, few weeks, I'd yeah. say. Uh, so this is a very important time in the Cardinals season this year, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. They need to at least tread water as best they can, you know, mm-hmm. which is uh, obviously a lot easier said than done. But at some point, you have to start playing to the potential that you see on paper. You know what I mean? There is no way this Cardinals team can continue to perform like this, although we said the same thing about the Blues. Um, so, you know, we just got to believe we got to believe in the process here at this point in time that, you know, they're able they're going to be able to turn it around, stuff like that. Again, we started to see some life from them, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like I need to see more. <laughs> OJ, like, yeah, exactly. Like we do have a lot more t- 
to play against the Central uh, on both sides, right? The AL, because we, we haven't played in the AL. So no, yeah, we did because we, we played Detroit um, and we lost that series, um, which wasn't great. Um, but that being said, that being said, you know, like we will face them again. We'll face the Royals, yeah. which suck, you know, like so we'll, we'll have an opportunity. Well, I mean, I guess if we're going to take any glimmer of hope from this is that we finally broke the wreck or the, uh, the the streak where every home or every series uh, opener, so to speak, you know, like first game in, in each new series, we've been losing since the beginning of of of, uh, of the year. And we finally broke that curse. So there you go. Yeah. So yeah, chipping away at it a little bit. So, you know what yeah. I mean? Little by little. I yeah. did feel like, you know, they finally win one. And now, all of a sudden. They're they're playing. Plug games are gonna open. Yeah. I mean, they got lit up this last game against the Cubs. Oh but, sure, yeah, ten to four. I mean, that's because that's because uh, Montgomery blew up. Excuse yeah, me, which is kind of weird. He started off strong and then he kind of just lost it. And I, I mean, there was a play where uh, Bellinger beat out a chopper back to the first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montgomery couldn't beat him to the bag, and. <clears throat> And uh, after that, like, he kind of felt the shit. So he blew up, and then I'm sure we threw out our mop-up guys, and then so the Cubs scored 10. But other than that, I mean, we scored – we had won three in a row and got p- solid pitching performances each time, you know, like offense yeah. did well. So hopefully they keep it up. We'll see. Yeah, speaking of specifically Jim Montgomery, he's 2-5. and five. Like someone's got to change there. I mean, good lord! Like he was yeah, a fantastic pitcher for us last year. He's been a great pitcher for us so far. He's been our best pitcher so far this year too. He had a bad game last time. Though. That's what kind well, of I know, but just you, you won the other two, and then you're like, all right, we got our best pitcher going. We maybe get a sweep here, and he blows up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard to say your best pitcher is you know with a two and five record, but. You know, it yeah. is what it is. That's just kind of how it is right now. Of, yeah, you can't be mad about a series win this time of year. <laughs> you just or win. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, thankfully, we got one. And against the Cubs. So, I mean, at least that felt good. So, yeah, for sure. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, Wayno is supposed to be uh, making his start tomorrow. So, that'll be interesting Yep. Uh, whenever they start the uh, the series in Boston. So, we'll be yeah. seeing him versus uh, James Paxton. So, and I, I we'll think that the that Cardinals, what, what they need to do is just take it series by series. Because if you win all your series going forward, obviously that's over that 60% you're in the playoffs most likely. Because I put you at like 95, 98 wins somewhere around there. You know, just off like ballparking it, right? That's mm-hmm. actually probably higher. I think, that's like, I think that might be over 100 wins. Regardless, like that's what you need right now. So just focus on one series at a time. And the, 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 the series that you know you should win, you have to win. And that's when you go, okay, cool. Let's try to go for a sweep. But again, you got to get the win. And, you know, you got to at least start taking you can't get swept anymore, like flat out. You just can't, you know, because uh, it's just going to put you so far behind mm-hmm. behind the hole. Like you just got to continue to just get wins scrape by and stuff like that against good teams. It's as simple as that. For sure. Yep. And, and you know, that's what I'm saying. So think about it. Like at this point, they've lost any kind of fucking hubris they may have had any of the players. I mean, yeah. So. You're kind of sitting there like if you you have a halfway decent manager, he does the Baruby thing, throw the standings on the in the trash and fucking we're just going to go play some baseball, you know, like just be in the mm-hmm. moment, play your game and don't worry about anything else. They have literally nothing to lose They're, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like 
they're yeah. kind of at the point where they're already a bit of a laughing stock. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, well, yeah. I mean, the fact whenever the, our own fans were started to boo them and they started feeling that yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, there, there finally comes a time whenever St. Louis is like, okay, we've had enough, you know? Well, so yeah, yeah and that's like the I first said, time I've, go ahead. I've never encountered that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, that doesn't usually, happen in St. Louis, you know, usually almost never. Yeah. Almost yeah. never, but I do think it's because it isn't even just losing. Like I said, the way they were losing is so frustrating yeah. because they're shooting themselves in the foot so much, getting themselves thrown out on the bases for no reason, you know, uh, bobbling balls and throwing mm-hmm. them away and it's all like, that stuff. It's like watching Little League, so it's like, come on Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like, we don't have to pay a bunch of money to watch this quality of baseball. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I mean that. it wasn't good baseball at all. It was deserved, frankly. No. No so let's get let's uh, let's transition here to another topic because this is definitely one we definitely need to address and talk about. But what the hell is with this Contreras stuff? So if for anybody that's been living under a rock, you know, obviously we signed we signed Contreras, Wilson Contreras, to be our catcher, our everyday catcher. He is now no longer our everyday catcher because they're moving him to be DH and outfield specifically while he gets to be more familiar with the staff. Adam, I'm going to start with you. What's your take on this? I mean, like, is this all of a sudden now this this deal, this offseason deal, which was, again, the premier offseason deal, the only one we made that was supposed to transform our roster offensively to be able to help out? Has it just backfired completely on us? Well, what's your thoughts on it? Obviously. There, he has some huge shoes to fill. He's mm-hmm. not going to be the Yachty, obviously. That's just not going to happen. But at the same time, I feel that th- they're starting to kind of scapegoat some of these guys, you know, a little bit. And yeah. we've seen that a little bit. I mean, with Walker, you know, he's been obviously a little wishy-washy with, you know, especially playing in the outfield. But now we're seeing this with him. It's like, are they – are they making these changes from a management perspective because they don't know what else to do? Um, I was a little perplexed by the decision to, you know, basically pluck him out, you know, pluck him out of uh, being our catcher and, you know, basically moving him to be a DH and whatnot. Um, How are we going to get our starter up to where he needs to be by not having behind the plate? I mean, at this point we need we need to either we believe it or we don't. You know what I mean? It's like right, yeah. if we've lost the confidence, then okay, then what are we gonna do? I mean, that's we we you know we it, do we say this was a complete bust? I don't think that it's to that point, but you know it's still very early into the season, and I don't think he was you know as terrible as um you know they looking at the situation. I don't think he was that terrible, um, but I do know at the same point. You can't compare him to what we had, you know. For sure. Um, and the other thing is, is that I also feel that Ali and Mo are they're taking it out. It seems like on everybody else, but they're not really taking it out on their our pitchers. You know, like they're not really giving them much blame from what kind of what I I'm sitting here as. They're always pointing the fingers at everybody else. And I think that our pitching staff definitely deserves some blame here. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely <laughs> very interesting. You pointed that out because I didn't even realize that. It is funny. Honestly, I think that indicates what they think the real problem is. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to make the pitchers feel bad because they're all pretty much. 
was shitty. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad pitching staff oh. overall. And it's like they don't – they just – I don't know. They just don't really want to say anything to him. And it's like, are they going to hurt – you know, they're going to get hurt or whatever? I don't know. But it's just like they're making all these other moves. And I think that they're getting – I think it's a bit of a scapegoat in my my personal opinion. I would love to hear their opinion on it, you know, to see what was their thinking on it. I haven't really heard much unless you guys have Yeah. what their thinking no, the only, behind it was because the I, I don't know. I've they they it. haven't came out and said why. Yeah, the, the only thing well, that, that I've heard, and it's not even around Contreras specifically, like on why uh-huh. they would they pulled him, but the only thing I heard specifically with Wainwright saying that he'd much rather have Kisner catch him. And again, this was not like he didn't say this publicly or anything, but um, apparently like it, it, like it was overheard that he'd much rather have Kisner catch him than Contreras. And if, if that's true, I look at it and go, Wayno, I love you, bro, but grow the fuck up. You're a professional <laughs> baseball player. You know and what I mean? Like you're not going to have the same catcher for your entire career. And we stuck eighty-seven and a half million dollars in this guy for a contract. Okay, this is our future. So I'm sorry, but get over it. You know what I mean? It's a five-year mm-hmm. deal. Get over it. So we can't just give up on him after a month. You know, especially whenever I think there's a lot more blame to go around everywhere else. But whatever. I don't know where. I don't know whether Wainwright said that or not, but I know that publicly he said he's excited to pitch to Wilson Contreras. Right. So, yeah. It sounds and like again, he's, I think, at the very least, being yeah. professional. I mean, but. And again, that's what I'm saying. It hasn't, like, he hasn't said this publicly. He hasn't said it anywhere. You know what I mean? This was just, like, what people said that they overheard, if, you know, down the grapevine. If it's true. <laughs> Then obviously you got a you got a, a real big problem there. But to your point, OJ, you know what I mean? Like he did say that he mu- he wants to pitch to Contreras because he knows that Contreras is big friends with Molina and stuff like that mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. So Adam, I guess the question I would have then for Ali is why move Contreras? Like is Contreras behind the plate? Why we're losing games right now? Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but well, you know. that's what I'm saying. Like, is that yeah. really what's causing us to lose games? I don't think so. So what's that all about, you know? I mean, so definitely, uh, first of all, I do want to point out, uh, I haven't seen that many balls get by catchers in like a really long time. So you think there is something to be said for his defense being a very very negative? Like at some point, pitchers are going to get, scared to bounce a breaking ball you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's when you start leaving them up over the heart of the plate and getting them crushed, too, yeah. you know? um so there you need to have that confidence there and he hasn't given them a reason to be confident that he can handle i that. get it <clears throat> and sure. then, but the, as far as pitch calling goes that's very much not on his shoulders like that's well, especially if they're going to go on paper at this point in time you know what i mean if they're going to go yeah. off of the, of the off the stats then apparently they're going to be completely taking that off of him completely, you know. Yeah. He's just a middleman at that point. He's just pitch competent, you know. It depends. Well, yeah, I don't know if they're they're not sending pitches in from the bench. I assume. I mean, obviously you could do that. I think uh, Tampa Bay does already, maybe. So I mean, that's certainly something you could do, um, and still let him catch. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, I, no, I don't I mean, know what they think. There, there is uh, some. I no, somebody said it. God. Who was it? I think it was Matt Holiday said it that uh, 
basically the only reason this is happening is because probably all of the starters went and said, we don't trust this guy. Like we don't like throwing to this guy. Probably. They probably all went to, you know, management and said that uh, they thought something needed to change. And I don't know that they ever intended for it to be public. You know what I mean? Like Mm. they probably were trying to handle it respectfully in the right way, but also the team is losing constantly and they feel like they can't pitch their best with Contreras behind the plate. So they say something to the manager. Next thing you know, it's on the fucking papers and everything. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals are moving Contreras off because, you know, the pitchers don't want to throw to him. <laughs> They're probably like, what the fuck? Because you could make anything up. You know what I mean? I guess like, that's true. I mean, and, and obviously if they're not going to hold their pitchers accountable, so they're just going to allow them to make that decision, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean – that is pr- but look, you know, pitch calling has been it can't be over pitch calling is what I'm saying, because that's been a collaborative effort like forever. Like pitchers always have a say in what pitch they're throwing. It's well, not of course. Like they can shake it off a hundred times over. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Now, that was part of I saw a quote from Jose Lack where he was saying, oh, well, you know, it's hard for us to get the pitch we want because of the the time, you know, they put because of the pitch clock. Now, you can't shake off a guy. Yes, right. times. You have to. But it's like, how did you not figure out a system before the season began? How was this mm-hmm. an unseen thing? Like, I thought about this. I thought about this. I'm like, yo, I had a system. Tell the catcher, he sends the pitch to the pitcher. The pitcher sends the pitch he's actually going to throw back to the catcher, whether it's what the catcher called or not. Boom. Yeah. Yep, no he's going to catch it anyway, so – What's the matter? Exactly. He can, he, because that's the thing. The catcher could absolutely call for whatever he wants, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get that pitch. So, yeah, you're and 100% you right. From there, you know, if they can do what they want with it, but it's not hard. It's not hard. <laughs> so that just seems like a dumb excuse, also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. if our pitchers have to be told what to pitch every single time, then that's ridiculous, you know. Yeah, like they're major because it comes down to that professionalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, that's an excuse. I mean, in my opinion, is yeah, no, that's that's ridiculous to try and say, oh, we can't win because Contreras is calling pitches. That's that's <laughs> insane. Excuse. I think it's a cop out. Yeah, it's a it's a to me it's a cop out. And I think that you deciding to put a Contreras in the outfield first and foremost takes away from an already crowded outfield. It also, because now that blocks definitely Jordan Walker from coming back. Yep. It blocks a lot of other things. And also, too, okay, cool. We're, well, we won't play him in the outfield. We'll put him in the DH. Now you're blocking Nor- Nolan Gorman. You're blocking mm-hmm. everybody else that has <laughs> opportunities to get at bats. And we're going to pay well, this yeah. dude like $87 million for five years to just be our DH. Yeah, right. Okay. Honestly, honestly, he is raking right now. So, I mean, I mean, he's a pretty damn good DH at least. So, I know, but, yeah, but that's still, not like, what we bought him he for. Could be in the catching spot. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. we didn't buy him to be a freaking DH. I don't think this is the last time we'll see Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Right, I do think that there's probably some truth into that. Maybe they felt like Contreras wasn't prepared enough on how to call the games for different pitchers and stuff. If he didn't know their strengths and weaknesses that well. You know what I mean? Like there may have been a legitimate reason where they didn't feel comfortable with him behind the plate, but I do think they're going to try their damnedest to get him back there. Now I would hope so, because I mean, that would be a huge stain on Mo, if not, you know, to make that kind of deal to make and spend that kind of money and then literally just be all for nothing, you know? 
Absolutely. Actually, I think that they. That was their only move, really. Realistically, that was their only move in the offseason. So it's like that looks really shitty if that's the case. Yeah. And and I think that they kind of thought that uh, going into the season, they probably kind of thought he wasn't quite there. But they're like, well, you know, he'll get more experience out there with them and everything and he'll get better as they go. And then they started losing like crazy. And they're like, well, we don't have time to play around. (laughs) Like we need Mm -hmm. who we think is going to be the most effective person out there, which unfortunately right now is just Andrew Kisner, but (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't mean he's also been raking recently. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, over the last four games or basically since he took over the starting catcher job, he's, he's been doing very well. So that's good. But, uh, Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. So, excuse me, guys. Uh, so let's let's just uh, talk about this. Let's round it out here, because um, obviously we got a bunch of other stuff that we need to get to here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question that I, uh, I'm going to ask, and this is more of a general question, are we going to start trading players like we did with the Blues, right? Are we going to start trading away Nolan Arenado? Are we going to trade away Paul Goldschmidt and stuff like that? I mean, I personally don't really think so, because I don't think that the uh, – like the – MLB draft is as big as like obviously NHL draft stuff like that. OJ, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, do you think that we're going to end up doing what the Blues did and just start selling away players because we have the bankruptcy from Bally coming and all that stuff? What's your thoughts on that? So it depends on the player. First of all, I don't think Aaron Nottle will get traded because he opted in. I also don't know. I'm, I'm not sure who's got no trade clauses and stuff, but like, you can't do that to somebody that just opted in to stay on your team. You can't just go trade them somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yep. A lot harder to sign people in the future. <laughs> that would be a dick move. So I hope they don't do that. I mean, the main guy I could see him trading would be like Tyler O'Neill because he has value still. And, but I mean, everyone knows now that he's got a problem with the manager. I get, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, him and Ollie had that tiff. And now he doesn't hardly play anymore. So it kind of does you know, read that way a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they could trade him. I don't see him trading Arenado because of the reasons I said, I don't know Goldschmidt maybe, but he probably has no trade clause too. I don't know. The thing is they've got, I don't know. Like they're, they've got enough good young players coming up that they can expect to be good soon like you could literally even if this is a winds up just going this way the entire season and they have like the worst season in cardinals memory essentially they could they should be able to turn this around pretty quickly because they do have like a lot of decent pitching prospects in the minors as well that are starting to work their way closer to the majors i mean for instance liberator is a guy you could see coming up this year even but he's been killing it in triple a so and he's he's added a couple miles per hour to his fastball so all of a sudden you get yourself a solid lefty added to the rotation. Like, okay, you know, (laughs) so that would be the biggest uh, difficulty for them is their pitching, but they do have like a nice nucleus of young players that they should be able to be good soon. Yeah. Speaking of lefties, there was some recent, you know, news being teased around about Eduardo Rodriguez with uh, the, the tigers um, that, uh, he may opt out, and then he's looking apparently um, at certain teams like the Padres or the Cardinals as well, as well, um, because <laughs> hope we so, don't, don't scare him off. <laughs> What's that? Right. I hope we don't scare him off. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But anyway, apparently there's some 
some talks or at least, you know, some rumors that I've been reading about. So anyway, they have way too much. They, they do have a log jam of guys. They got to get rid of There's They do have a, sure. a bevy of players that can't do any more in the minors, but we don't have room for them on the roster. So hopefully they yeah. can get this more pitching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. Right. And what, it's, what's going to end up, Actually transpiring for the Cardinals for the rest of the season is going to be one of those things that I really think we're going to look back on whether it's successful or not successful. You know what I mean? And we'll be able to know like this. We're really approaching the linchpin. You know what I mean? Is it going to be successful? Is the glue going to hold or is it going to fall apart again? You know what I mean? And that's going to be kind of it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, guys, uh, let's. uh Let's transition here and let's talk about uh, the NHL draft uh, and and uh, get to some NHL news. So let's uh, talk about uh, real quick before we get into our main topic about the NHL draft. Um, the Blues, uh, we do have the pick order. Uh, the Blues are picking 10th, which is what we predicted to be able to pick. And right now it looks like our other two predicted, which haven't been decided yet, um, are being projected for 29th and 30th, so not great. Uh, unfortunately, because Toronto continues to fucking win, although they look like they're going to lose this series, and Dallas continues to win, and they're tied up right now with Seattle. Um, so that's that news for the Blues. So let's talk about who won the damn draft, which was the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, I'm going to try to keep it civil here. Uh, at least for me, you guys can do whatever you want. The question that is going around social media, it's not just social media. I mean, it's all over the internet right now. A lot of people believe that the NHL draft was rigged. Um, and it, it, I'm telling you, there is a lot of evidence that proves, or not proves, mm-hmm. but shows that it could potentially be rigged. There, there's a lot that goes into this. Adam, I'm going to just ask you straight up. you believe that this was rigged? The more that I see and the more that I'm reading I think there definitely are signs that there were the fact that now there are NHL executives that are coming out, or at least that have, you know, spoken to some of the, the, uh, um, the media per se, you know, a little privately, Elliot Friedman actually spoke on the issue uh, on his recent podcast where he shared some of the, the inside sources are very suspicious of the results. I think it's very strange the way that they, played it out because um obviously there was a lot of uh, un, uh some strangeness on on espn obviously whenever espn was knowing the picks before the pick was actually officially announced by the nhl mm-hmm. specifically whenever the ducks get uh pick number you know they were the third pick um they announced it and then went to a commercial and then they came back and then they actually officially announced it you know where they turned the card so I was wondering, like, why didn't they show any of this? I finally found that on YouTube, they actually did show the quote unquote lottery, right? So basically the lottery where they have to draw the balls and the, that combination of like four or five balls has to, I think it was four balls, has to match then your team's, you know, combination per se. The thing is, is that that wasn't live. That was a recorded exactly. video and it was, sub- and it was uploaded on YouTube. While they, you know, while Bettman tried to sit there and, and act like this is legit, here's today's newspaper, blah, 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 and like proving that it was today. The fact is, it's like, why is that not live? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that seems awfully suspicious to me because how hard would it be 
for them to just tape it as many times as they need to get that combination. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I said, there could be complete coincidence, but the fact is, of course, it's Chicago. Of course, it's the team that, you know, needs the help more than anybody. And of course, that's what Batman would have wanted more than anything. So it just seems awfully suspicious. You know what I mean? Actually, and, and so here's the thing is, Adam, I disagree with you that the Chicago Blackhawks are actually the, a franchise that needs this more than any other team. For me, I'm just going to go into well, the I, I, I guess, I, well, tr- really, the Coyotes really, <laughs> I guess a name like that to save them because their <laughs> franchise is ready to fall off the face of the planet. But I, the fact is, I guess my point is, they've lost some big talent. They've lost some. And so for them, having this, did you not see what happened after they, because obviously their, 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 uh, you know, their attendance is going to start dropping off immediately after they get the number one yep. pick. It surges. They start selling crazy amounts of tickets and season ticket holders, you know, to season ticket holders. Yep. So Over for them, it's going to uh, pump uh, a shitload uh, of money into Chicago. So yep. for them, they're so, loving it. So anyway, and that's the reason why I, I believe that, that this is rigged. Uh, OJ. So I'll ask you right after I kind of get to my points. So I take a look at it, right, in the draft order, what was supposed to be, it was supposed to be Anaheim, Columbus, and then obviously uh, Chicago. That's what, you know, the three best odds, right? Now, what ends up happening in this situation for me is the NHL looks at this and goes, okay, we're not going to give uh, Anaheim the number one overall pick. Reason for it has nothing to do with market or anything like that is the fact that they already have a bunch of young, talented studs that they just need to be able to put together, and they're going to all of a sudden be a very good team. I mean, Zargas is a, is coming, man. That that guy's already here, or I should say the dude is phenomenally talented, but if you paired him with, like, Connor Bedard, it's going to be lights out. It's going to be the same thing we see with Edmonton, with, with uh, uh, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. It's going to be like that. Um, so they decided to not do that because – Edmonton, when they got Leon Dreisaitl, when they got Connor McDavid, you know, they had a few other pieces, but they were not like what Anaheim has. Anaheim, as I said before on this podcast, was a team that I could see even dropping uh, like uh, it could be trading to grab like a veteran defenseman and trading away their their top three pick at this point. Um, I I really believe that could be the case um, because they are the number. They're actually picking number two. My bad. But regardless. I could see that being the case uh, for them because they don't necessarily need all this talent right now. They need more veterancy and they need defense and they definitely need goaltending. They're pretty close though. They really are. When you watch them play, they're they're very fast, extra, extremely talented. When you go then to number, go ahead, go ahead, OJ. Were you going to say something? Oh yeah, I was going to say it sounds like you're telling me that we can trade Pareko for the second overall pick. Listen, they might actually do it. I'm not joking. They may do that. Flat out, they do that. Um, because that's what I feel like Anaheim is at right now. I believe that they are looking for proven defensemen. Um, and I, I mean, listen, I'm not obviously in you know in their their office and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what they're going for, but that's to me when I look at the roster, that's what they're missing, right? Um, so I that's the reason why I don't believe that the NHL would want to give that because they don't want to give a, a team that is very close already. All of a sudden, just be like, okay, cool. Now they're going to run the tables for the next like eight years because they want mm-hmm. this to be. Then the so okay, cool. Let's go down the, uh, to the next personal list, which is Columbus Blue Jackets. I can tell you right now that the NHL does not does not want a franchise in Columbus. They consistently have some of the worst box office numbers, 
the box office, you know what I mean? Ticket selling numbers or whatever. Mm -hmm. They have some of the worst merchandise, uh, merchandise records. And it's in Ohio, which is predominantly a football state, you know, like it's predominantly football. You know, there's a little bit of basketball that's mixed in a little bit of baseball that's mixed in, but they are predominantly a football town. Um, which is ironic because, you know, like, again, they don't have like a really, I mean, well, it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into that. But regardless, they don't want them there. They kind of it, it, in short terms have said that they've been looking to try to find a different buyer, different ownership in Columbus. So they're not going to put a franchise that they already want to move. They're not going to give them the number one overall pick. So all of a sudden, all these people come in and watch them because they they want the excuse to be able to move them. It feels very familiar with the St. Louis Rams. You know, it's it's super funny. Everybody always says, oh, like, oh, well, you know, the Rams are, uh, you know, damn, the, you know, they go to L.A. And now all of a sudden they have all this money and, you know, they're a pretty good team. Like, they, you got to ask backwards. Ronke purposely didn't spend money on the team because he wanted them to be so bad that people wouldn't show up and then they would move to L.A. So then he can put all this money in his team. And that's exactly what he did. And he ended up going to two Super Bowls and winning a ring. You know what I mean? Which is just ridiculous. They want to yeah. move out you know and there's been a lot of talks in forums and stuff like that that nhl believes are that the nhl will be looking to move the blue jackets out of uh of columbus in the next couple of years and moving to hartford to bring back the whalers right. um again that's all hearsay we don't know but i believe that they didn't want that so now we get to okay the third pick which was chicago and this is perfect for them Chicago is uh, original six team, and let's be honest, the NHL loves a stroke the the undercarriage of the original six teams, right? Loves it. Um, they just lost uh, Patrick Kane because Patrick Kane uh, got traded. They're losing Jonathan Taze because they're not bringing Jonathan Taze back anymore. So you you're losing one of your most profitable uh, franchises that has been a stable for you when it comes to money for the NHL for a very long, long time. And Chicago is a big market too. So it's just perfect. We're going to go ahead and give you now a franchise player right after you losing two franchise players. Last time they picked first overall, they picked Patrick fucking Kane, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what happened after that? And that's exactly what this feels like, you know, and it's super funny when you, when you look at the Hawk fans that are out there in, you know, they're on, they're just like, Oh, y'all are just butt hurt, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, you know, if you don't like it, get better, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if you, if you don't like it, it just shows you, you okay. don't even understand the rules. Wait of the a minute. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, but I, I got to jump in here for a second. Why? Just simply put, why the hell do they even get, why did they not even, why did they even have a pick to begin with? The Yotes literally had to give up their first pick in the freaking draft in 2021 for uh freaking uh the combine testing policy the blackhawks literally covered up an entire sexual assault yeah yeah and they didn't and they get freaking they get uh they get rewarded for it they get connor bedard after all of this and here's they didn't have to do shit it's just oh man it's so frustrating if you look at the top five trending things on twitter okay top five since the draft it is draft, it is rig, it is Blackhawk, <laughs> it is Connor Bedard, and then number five, Kyle Beach, which was the player. Kyle that, Beach, uh, there you go. There you go. Yep. Was part of that cover yeah, up. I was going to say, yeah. so apparently Kyle Beach, I guess, doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. exactly. But again, well, but it's the same yeah, thing. He was part of the cover up. He was the one who 
uh, <laughs> the action against him was covered up. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> It's just ridiculous because I mean they did the exact same damn thing with Pat uh, with uh, you know Patrick Kane, who raped a woman, and oh well you know what we're gonna allow him to play, you know it's like what there's allegations out there they're going to court yeah we're just gonna allow him to play until you know the the, the they figure out what's going on, okay but then Evander Kane makes a mistake by like the domestic violence and obviously I'm not trying to say that one of these is better than the other because they're both just unexcusable raping some mm-hmm. woman and having domestic violence, they're both in the non-redeemable page, right? But I'm just saying, it's kind of interesting that, you know, Evander Kane has a domestic uh, domestic issue, and so you're going to suspend him for four days without even really knowing anything what happened, or for four games, as I should say, which also was really low, but, you know, whatever, I'm not going to hear the judge on that. But then Patrick Kane has this, and nothing. Okay, cool. Oh, by the way, he Honest to God, if I was... Yeah, it, honestly, if I was Connor Bedard, I would flat out tell him I'm I'm I would refuse to play for him for real if they drafted me for real because what a terrible situation they put him in, you know? Because now that people are gonna lash out at him for all of this, it's re- I feel bad for the dude at the end of the day, you know? Like right now, obviously, you know I'm gonna have to hit on once he's a Blackhawk, but it sucks for him because he's a 17 year old kid and now he's smack dab in the middle of all this controversy. And he's going to get rough, you know? Yeah. You're going to suck for a kid. You know what I mean? He's a fucking kid. So he's 17. And yeah, he's about to get, and he's about to get drafted by uh, uh, a a team that is known to, you know, house basically and promote sexual, you know, predators. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty scary. (laughs) Pretty messed up. Yeah, I mean, it really so. is, man. And yeah, I, I just I don't even know what to even feel about this, you know, other than the fact that I feel that this is just completely rigged. And I, I mean, in the NHL, there is so much stuff, you know. Oh, by the way, number six trending on Twitter is Gary Bettman. Just saying. Um, well, there you go. I was going to say every time anybody I was going to say he already has no reputation anyway. Just wait till he comes out, to, you know, to hand out the Stanley Cup next, you know, after this season. Oh my God! Unless it's in in Chicago, dude, he they're gonna just yeah rip his head off at that point. Anyway, Gary definitely strikes me as a <laughs> justify the means kind of dude. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> yep, you ain't lying there, man. So, you know, it literally is what it is at this point. But I don't know. It's just it it, it does feel I don't know. You know what? Before I before I even continue with my stuff here. Because I'm I'm just so frustrated and so emotional about it. OJ, what's your thoughts here? Do you believe this is rigged? Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> that was the <laughs> first thing I thought. I thought when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, no. I know. <laughs> I almost thought they wouldn't do it just because they thought, you know, I thought maybe it's they too would obvious, think that was right? Too obvious. It's yeah, too it's obvious. so damn obvious. <laughs> like really? Yeah, but no, I. Like, yeah, as soon as the Blackhawks start to look really bad, you know their intended is going to go in the tank. Now we need to make sure we put more star power in there. And that definitely seems like the kind of shit Gary Bettman would facilitate. So, is what it is. Yeah, and my, my thing about this, too, it, it's just like, it's a point. It was pretty obvious. Like, it, it just felt like, okay, this is what's going to end up happening, right? And if you guys remember, too, I called this. I called it yeah, like a I remember. third into mm-hmm. the season. I said the Chicago Blackhawks are going to end up winning Connor Bedard. Right when it came out that Connor Bedard was is is 
is supposed to be the best prospect since Connor McDavid. I, I had a feeling because at the time the Blackhawks were, you know, the worst team in the league. I said, yep, Chicago's going to get him. I knew it. And I said it like three other times that, you know, well, it, it, they're going to end up getting it. I just have a feeling that's what's going to end up having, uh, like what's going to end up having or having to happen. That's exactly what ended up happening. So super yeah. funny how things work out that way. Yeah, I'm not laughing. I Yeah, you know, and the, the, the stupid thing about this, man, like you can almost just laugh at it because like it's just so unbelievable and it's like so stupid and frustrating. But at the same time, like, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's not going to change us like or even NHL executives saying some shit and saying, you know, this stuff is rigged or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Ain't going to change the fact that well, Chicago has got the number one pick and they're course. going to pick Connor Bedard. Like, of course. I mean, until the owners, you know, actually step up and they're, you know, start demanding action, you know, Batman's going to be around for a long ass time, unfortunately. So, I mean, I if you have a bunch of like billionaires horse trading wins in your sports league, then yeah, nothing's going to stop that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, let's uh, actually talk about uh, the playoffs here uh, for the NHL, because um, obviously that's still going on. We're in the second round at this point in time. Um, let's just go ahead and kind of uh, go through it real quick. So first series, we had the New Jersey Devils versus Carolina uh, in the Canes. Um, Hurricanes lead that series three to one. They are actually playing right now, and I think that game actually might be very close to over or over. It uh, is over. It is over. Yeah, I'm looking at the yeah, bracket. So they have New moved Jersey on. Devils lost. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Though. Like I, it's I like Canes. the game. So, yeah. 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 It's okay. Um. Yeah. So they. So the Carolina Hurricanes are in the Eastern Conference Finals, which they will face most likely Florida Panthers because they've come out of freaking nowhere. Uh, they are leading their series three to one. They almost had to sweep against Toronto, but Toronto was able to starve it off. Uh, so Seattle and Dallas, they played tonight. Um, that series is tied up to two. So game five is tonight. Uh, and then they have the fourth uh, series is Edmonton versus the Vegas Knights, which is also tied up to two. Um, so let me ask you guys this question before we move on here to our mm-hmm. NBA uh, straw hat update. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's start with you, Adam. Which which out of these teams or out of the eight teams, which team do you think is going to be uh, hoisting the cup at the end of the year? That's going to be the Canes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, to look me, at how they like, played throughout this entire yeah. in, in the playoffs. They've just been consistent the whole time. You know what I mean? They have just gone. I mean, they have a phenomenal team. They've had a phenomenal team for a really a, a while. I think this is their year. I really do. Yeah. OJ, what is, unless, what's, unless the Florida somehow sneaks it, you know, we'll see. But the part of it, the, really the reason not. why they're doing so well against Toronto is because Toronto, you know, they're going to be cursed. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, OJ. So, what team do you feel has uh, the best chance of winning the cup at this at this point? Yeah, I could see this being a a Blues kind of season for the Hurricanes. You get a veteran team that finally puts it together and wins before the league decides to start, you know, refing them super tight so that they can't actually play with any kind of physicality because the league gave them their win. And so it's all over now. It's time for another team to win. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Like, listen, so I'm I'm definitely on Carolina's uh, bandwagon at this point in time. Uh, that's definitely the team that out of these, uh, you know, now that the Devils are out, uh, the seven remaining teams, mm-hmm. that is definitely the team that I want to win. But since you both guys, w- uh, uh, you guys both went to the East, I'm going to go out to the West. It's weird, man. I have a really weird fe- feeling about Edmonton. 
I don't know if they will actually win it. Nah. But if I'm since I'm trying to go different, I definitely think that they might actually get to the Stanley Cup. Uh, they might. The they is, might get to the playoffs or to the final, but I don't think they're going to win it. Yeah. So I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they got Vegas. Vegas has been, been a, a real tough house to them oh, so oh, far. Obviously, sure. it's tied after four games. So we'll have to see. Well, uh, yeah, what, and I mean, and obviously they 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 pretty much wiped out the Jets. So I think they the Jets only won like one game. So yeah. Wrecked, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they, they wrecked them, but, yeah. Oh, well. It is what it is. What and, are yeah, you going to do? <laughs> yeah, in the conference finals, it'll definitely be, you know, <laughs> it'll be some, I think it'll be, uh, um, you know, Carolina uh, versus, obviously, Florida Panthers. More than likely, it'll probably be Edmonton, probably versus the Stars. That's what I'm thinking in the conference finals. That's it's going to be with. interesting, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what with. I feel too. Maybe Seattle can get there. Who knows? But. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be completely against it. I, I would rather Seattle win over the stars all day. So, well, fuck yeah, because we have a better Definitely. pick than, than for the Damn right. Absolutely. For, for yeah. sure. So Plus I would got, love to see. Uh, yeah. So many guys on that team. Well, at least a couple guys on that team. <laughs> Yeah, we do have a couple guys on the yeah. team, so and it would be cool for them, you know, since they're a new team anyway. So at least make a run for it. So good for them. Better than than. Now that we've won a cup, I'm okay with them winning one. Yeah, that's what, I'm like, okay with Seattle. Vegas a little bit more. against against Washington I, the year before. I'll be honest with I you, go, I was never like, I was never yeah. hating on on Seattle like from the very beginning. I don't know, I just never hated on them really, honestly. I don't know. It's just I've always I that's a team that I'm I'm okay with. They're I'm cool with them. They're all right. Yeah, as long as they I think it's short team, like I can't. Yeah, really. I'm I'm cool with them, you know. So, yeah, and I like their logo too. So, all right, guys. Well, let's get over here to the NBA straw hat and update uh, everybody. So, um, for anybody that uh, hasn't listened um, in the past couple of sessions, so what we did wasn't. I'm kind of the only one that watches NBA on a more regular basis. We I have decided, been watching but, the Lakers and Warriors games. So I know, I, have, I know, yeah. because I have yeah. some skin in that game, and obviously we got a little, you know, a little competition going on between us. Yeah. So um, what we did was we put all the teams that were in the playoffs at that point in time. There was two teams that had been eliminated from the play-in tournament. We put all the teams into a hat, so we all had six teams um, going forward. So this is where it sits at right now. After the dust is settled, Adam and myself are in the lead with three remaining teams, and OJ Woo! has two teams. Now, here's the thing about this. OJ is guaranteed to get into the Eastern Conference Finals because, unfortunately, his last two teams are playing each other. <laughs> so he's going to lose one, but at least he'll yeah. get one. So he's okay. going to lose one. So the way that it sits right now, so the Warriors are down 3-2 to two in the series because they won Game 5 last night. Game 6 is tomorrow in L.A. That is my Warriors, um, my pick and my actual team against Adams Lakers, which is not his team, but the team that but was chosen. But it is the tree that I was chosen. So I have to, I know, like somehow, you know, stomach enough that I want to cheer on the Lakers in a roundabout way, which sucks, but it is what it is. So, oh, well. Uh, yeah, so in the second matchup, which is also in the West, we have the Phoenix Suns versus the Denver Nug- uh, Nuggets. Denver is leading that series three to two. Uh, Adam has the Suns. I have the Nuggets. Um, so it, it, it's been funny that we're facing each other three times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just the for way sure. that everything felt, uh, you know, for everything here. 
Um, that I think the Phoenix Suns they play tonight. Yes, they do. So Denver could uh, they do at nine o'clock. Well, I think they just started. I guess actually. And uh, I think they probably will start in like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and Denver, I think, is winning that series currently, I think. Correct. Three to two, yes. Yeah, so uh, they could the, potentially wrap it up tonight. Hopefully not, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully they will. <laughs> uh, hopefully they will. The, uh, in, the, uh, in the East, we've already talked about it. The Celtics um, and the 76ers, both teams are OJ's teams by the hat draw. That series is now tied three to three. So game seven will be played on Saturday. So that's going to be a very good game. Uh, and then the last series, uh, last team, uh, or give me, excuse me, uh, well, series, yeah, that we got to talk about. Last two teams out of the East, the Miami Heat versus the New York Knicks. Adam has Heat. Uh, the Heat. I have the Knicks. And Miami leads three to two. Yes, we do. Uh, they were leading three to one. Uh, the Knicks won yesterday. So hopefully they can continue to win. No, yeah, tomorrow, I was going to say tomorrow is going to be a very pivotal day for both of us. So, yeah. Yeah, especially when we're going to go to game seven on both of those, dude. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. So mm. anyways, that's uh, the update that mm. we have here for uh, for the NBA. So uh, <laughs> We're going to game seven. You, you, you and your jokes. Oh, no, I'm not joking. You know, hey, listen, if the Knicks lose out, that's fine. But my Warriors, I'm telling you right now. We're playing a chase again, and that's game seven, son. I've okay. already called it. He's going to get the game you know, three. You know, as your friend, I'm I'm rooting for this. But as your opponent in this, I have to root against you. So I'm saying Lakers in six. Secretly, you know, I, I don't yeah. want them. Anyway. You, you say that. All right. Anyways, uh, so uh, next week will just be uh, just be OJ and I on the podcast because, you know, I'm not this is podcast. bullshit. I'm going to fucking win this thing and that'll be it. So that'll be it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Uh, Adam, uh, hit us up with that socials. Yeah. So, uh, well, actually looking at last week, um, we were asked, well, I should say two weeks ago, technically, uh, we were asking um, our, you know, our listeners uh, what their favorite uh, St. Louis sports venue was and actually we got some responses and uh one of our listeners uh mike shout out to him thanks for listening and thanks for contributing on the socials here uh he mentioned that he really enjoys uh the new uh bush stadium so bush stadium three technically um and he mentioned that he really enjoys that stadium because of the atmosphere uh, the baseball environment and because of ballpark village, which all are very great points because that's actually very um, good. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Adam, so, you and I, I mean, the last game of the season last year when we went mm-hmm. over saying goodbye to Yachty and pool hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of sort of the Wayne, right. Although, you know, obviously he stuck around for a year. We were at ballpark village and that was a really mm-hmm. good time. You know, that was yeah, a really good cool time. First time I've Dude, ever had the, a, you know, was at a game at ballpark. Yeah, that was really and, cool. And the tickets were dirt cheap because they were like 20 bucks over there. And you got yeah, to, you know, have in-game audio. You got to watch the game. And whereas the games, you know, like the tickets inside, you know, were like going for like 300 bucks or whatever. And that was like standing room only. It was insane. Whereas Ballpark Village, super cool, had, you know, all the nice amenities and you're up on the roof. It was just it was a really cool thing to to check out. I mean, I've been over there before, but never for an actual game per se. And I definitely want to do it again. It was a lot of fun. And. They actually made some improvements too. Um, I know that they upgraded their jumbotron to like this enormous one, um, from my understanding. And 
obviously a lot of watch parties there for the Blues, you know, happened back in 2019. And it's just a cool, cool place. And then within Bush Stadium, obviously, a lot of really nice uh, spaces. You know, there's not really a bad, bad seat in the in the park for sure. It's just a nice ballpark, very open, like it a lot. Obviously, you know, at first I was kind of brokenhearted that I had to see the old Bush go, but it's just mainly because yeah. a lot of the memories for me, you know, growing up with it. But I have to say, you know, the new Bush, to Mike's point, definitely has a really nice atmosphere. So, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mike, again for the contributions and listening. Um, you know, that definitely means a lot to us and definitely agree. And he brought up some very good points. So that's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so for this week, we're actually um, sticking with the theme of St. Louis and hometown and whatnot and, and how you feel about the hometown, uh, so to speak. We're actually going to be asking about um, who you wrote root for, so to speak, as a, our hometown e-hero, because, um, you know, there's been some really special ones that have come up through the years. Uh, I'm Maroon, David Fries, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Musial and all those other guys. There's been a lot of great names that have lived here uh, and played here, and that was always the dream. So we'd love to hear from you know, our listeners who their favorite player of all time, who originally hails from this area is. So we'll be posting that up on Facebook, uh, which is on facebook.com slash um, the hometown losers. That's L O U S E R S. Or you can check us out on twitter.com slash hometown losers as well. So be sure and, uh, you know, tell us who you think is uh, your favorite from St. Louis. That uh, is your hometown hero. And we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sounds like a good question, and definitely there's a lot of them because you can even go like Jason Tatum, stuff like yep. that. Some, yeah. some of that has never even played that's for a St. Louis team, but mm-hmm. they're from St. Louis. You know what I mean? So that's yep. a very good yep. question. So. For sure. Uh, OJ, what uh, what you got for the game of the week? Yeah. So uh, any match against uh, Chicago teams always a big one. So on Saturday at noon. St. Louis City plays the Chicago Fire with a chance to avenge the loss that Chicago just handed us in the uh, Open Cup. So <clears throat> that's my game at noon. Let's watch it. Let's go. I think it's in Chicago. Let's let's oh. Yeah, yeah because it should be in Chicago, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's go St. Louis City. Louis for sure. Their way without uh, Klaus because he's going to be out again. So. Yeah, what actually did end up happening to Klaus? I, I didn't get to see that in the report. You know, I haven't seen what the actual injury was either, but I just remember seeing that they were saying, like, you might miss, like, a couple matches or something, but now it's obviously more than that. So yeah. I think, I, yeah, I don't even know what it was, but hopefully he comes back soon. Cause it was a, apparently had, a leg injury uh, that happened it, uh, whenever we were playing Colorado. Um, he was taken oh, okay. out in the 60th oh, wow. minute yeah. after he had a leg injury. He went down after apparently feeling the pain in his leg. Um, it was a non-contact situation apparently. Um, yeah. and so it I guess it was something to do with his quad. I think it's, it's I think he may. Oh, be. really? Something to do with his quad. <laughs> ironically. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> it was, I was going to say ironically enough. Yeah. Well, yeah I'm, just, I'm just glad it wasn't like an ACL or something. Cause like, yeah. 
it was one of those things where he like just sat down because his leg was messed up. You know what I mean? But it wasn't like all of a sudden he couldn't hold his own weight. You know what I mean? So just, yeah, let me tell you, a, um, a quad. Yeah. So I, uh, I unfortunately have a, at least a grade two um, uh, screen, which is a tear uh, on my quad and my left quad that happened from softball. I can tell you it is very uncomfortable. So what ended up happening was like I was playing softball. I made a cut. I was actually cutting, uh, caught in a hot box or whatever. And so I was making you know, those quick sudden movements back and forth. And uh, I, ended, uh, you know, like I ended up I was safe or whatever. And I'm like, all right, you know, because I was uh, at third. And I'm like, all right, it felt fine. But my leg kind of felt weird. So I go home on a sacrifice fly. So I kind of have to move a little quicker. In my leg, I it just didn't. There was something going on, and I thought maybe I just need to stretch it or something, or like something was going on. I ended up finishing the game or whatever, but I definitely was hindered. I couldn't run as fast as I normally did or whatever. Well, I had like a ten day break. There's no bruising in my leg. I just you know did what normal people do, just get on Google and stuff like that. I conferred with my mom, who's a nurse, my stepdad, who's a doctor, and they're like, yeah, you probably have this. And I will admit, to, even on air in front of everybody, and my stepdad was right. He told me. Listen, you're thinking of it in minutes and hours. You need to think of this in hours and days, days and weeks, because it's going to progressively get worse. Um, like if you continue to do stuff on, I'm like, fine, I'll just make sure to stretch out. Like I got it, you know, a week off it and stuff like that. Felt fine this past Sunday, stretched out. I was able to run, felt perfectly fine. And then like the first or second ball that got hit past me and I had to like, you know, quickly moved back to get to the ball and my leg just popped and it got progressively worse. So, yes, unfortunately, Wait, I know. what those say, Hold things. on. Hold on. Hold on. When did you play? This past Sunday. You said you. OK. Well, the first time that like I messed it up was like uh, 10 days ago, like this past Like, so it wasn't. You know, obviously this past Wednesday, because I play softball Wednesdays and Sundays, right? Oh, so never mind, like, never mind. Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Okay, yeah. So you, yeah, okay, not Wednesday. Okay, I was gonna say, oh my God, dude, you didn't seriously go out there. No, okay, my bad. That was Sunday. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, I was like, well, holy crap. <laughs> it's like that's a death sentence right there. Yeah, never. Okay, I got you because it's Sunday. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, yeah, I finally yeah. took myself out, and unfortunately, my cousin also ended up having a high ankle sprain, but it looked like he might have actually. Well, he did actually have a chip chip fracture but we thought he broke his ankle so we were both in the er and that's our outfield for both teams so like we both play you know center field so in, in softball if you guys don't know there's 10 positions right so yeah four in the outfield typically and so uh he plays left center and i play right center so like our entire team is <laughs> like outfield wise is both teams are having to scramble for that so it's gonna be super fun but oh yeah, boy it is what it is well, anyways, after all that uh, talk about my personal life and softball and stuff like that, let's just go ahead and head to the wrap up here. So I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, thank you very much um, as we continue to uh, our silliness here um, on our podcast. But we appreciate it. We will see you next time here on the Hometown Losers podcast. Have a great night, everybody. Hey guys, this is Adam. just want to say thanks for listening to the Hometown Losers Podcast. We'll see you next week as we continue our discussion of St. Louis sports.